kind, very kind. Uh, well, yeah, uh, like Matt said, uh, my name is Josh. Um, if we haven't met, uh, I'd love to meet you. Um, Pastor Brock had uh, asked me to speak on uh, stewardship uh, this morning, stewardship. And, um, you know, when you think of the word stewardship or the word steward, um, you know, what, what sorts of things, you know, come to your mind? You know, I, I, I asked my son, I go, hey, uh, Caleb, uh, what do you think a steward is? And he was like, somebody's name? <laughs> so, so close, not stewart, but steward. You know, that, that <laughs> right? Uh, but but that, that, that's a word we don't use nowadays, right? When was the last time you used the word steward, right? I mean, maybe stewardess, right? But we don't use that anymore, right? It's flight attendant, right? So, uh, and, and so what, what is a steward? What, what, what is that? If, if, the, if, if the Bible or, or if, if our church or, or if, a, if a pastor is calling us to be a good steward, what does that mean? And if, you know, maybe if you have uh, grown up into a, a church setting, uh, you may know what it is, right? But if, if you haven't, if, if, if you're like a lot of us, um, you're like, I have no idea what that means. Uh, and, and, and so I, I think uh, a better way of describing um, this, this word is, is, is a manager, okay? Like, like, like Matt said, I, I, I'm an operations manager, um, and, you know, the, the things that, um, that, I, that I manage, it's not mine. It's somebody else's. But I, I have the authority to manage those resources for that company. And so that's what a steward is. And so I, uh, in, in talking this morning, I, I'm probably going to use the word manager more than a steward, if that's okay. All right. <laughs> um, so again, thank you for praying. Um, this, was, uh, this was a challenging message for me. This was challenging. Uh, even though, you know, we uh, prioritize our, um, our, our lives around uh, the mission of Jesus, um, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's tough. I was uh, uh, talking to my wife um, this, this week about, um, about my message this morning, and uh, her comment to me was, yeah, that's easier said than done, right? I said, absolutely, it is easier said than done. And uh, we're all busy. We're all busy people, and I think um, that's something that uh, we all have in common. And so why talk about stewardship this morning, though? Why, why is it important for us to... Um, talk about managing our resources uh, that God has given us. Well, time, resources, and talents um, is something that uh, all of us have, that we spend the majority of our, of our lives um, um, trying, to, um, trying to increase, right? Uh, we, we spend like a third of our lives at work. Um, we, you know, we spend you know, the, uh, another third with our families, um, we, have, we have homes, we have apartments, we have cars, um, we have money, we have bank accounts, and uh, all these things matter. And so the Bible talks about this at length, actually. And actually, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's huge, that's important. You see, your money, your time, your stuff says a lot about what you love. The stuff in your garage, the stuff in your storage unit says a lot about what you love. 
And in fact, it says a lot about what you worship. It's innate inside of us. It's connected. And so that's why it's worth talking about this morning. And so, first of all, I want to talk about who does it all belong to? Who does it all belong to? Uh, another conversation I had with, uh, with my son. I, I'm going to owe you money. I'm going to owe you money, all right? <laughs> Five bucks. <laughs> all right. Um, talking about, you know, good management of his resources. <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 was, I was talking to him about, hey, you know, where, where, does, where do the things that you have in your room, where does it come from? He's like, from me? And I was like, from you? It's like, you kidding? I said, like, where did you get it from? I bought it. I was like, you bought it? Like, where'd you get the money from? From working hard? It's like, okay, well, how did it get from, you know, from not being in your hand to being in your hand? He's like, you. I was like, yeah. I said, now we're talking. Now we're talking, right? That's right. Now we're talking. I said, it's not yours. You see, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the whole world and those who dwell therein. It's all God's. It's everything. And I know some of us will be like, no, well, you know, I have, I'm educated, right? I graduated. I, I have my degree. I worked hard for that. Uh, I, I, I went to the interview. I, I, put my, I put my resume together. I interviewed well. I deserve this. Absolutely, you worked hard for that. But who gives you the very breath in your lungs? Who's given you the mind in your head? Who's given you the natural talents and abilities that you have? Who has given that to you? Who has placed you in a community or in, or in a country that enables you to have the freedom to go to whatever school you want or to apply for whatever job that you want? Who placed you there but a sovereign God who has given that to you? And when we recognize that, we go, yes, Everything that I have does not belong to me, but rather it belongs to God. And that is where we need to live our lives. That's the foundation of where we should be living. So really, nothing belongs to us as individuals in the same sense of true ownership, but rather it's all God's. It's all God's. Now, we see this at the very beginning of the Bible, at the very first story of the Bible with Adam and Eve. God creates Adam and Eve. He puts them into the garden. And he says, you are going to be the managers of this garden. You're going to be the managers of this world. I created everything, and I created it good. The sky, the trees, the birds, all of the animals. I've created you to be the manager of this garden, to cultivate it, to multiply it, to spread throughout the world. This is who I've created you to be. And so it's a reflection of me, of God, to know that, hey, I am operating in this world the way God would operate in this world. And he has given us that management, that ownership of this world to reflect him to the rest of the world. But something happened, right, in that garden? Adam and Eve, they mismanaged what God had given them control of. And they handed that authority over. They handed that authority over to the serpent, the deceiver, the one who lied to them. 
And so then instead of being the manager that God had called them to be in the garden, instead they, they, they traded that for self-autonomy. They traded that to, to say, hey, I will decide for myself what is good and what is bad. I'm going to decide for myself how I should live and operate into this world and not the way God desires me to live and to operate in this world. And so that's why Jesus had to come. That's why he had to live a perfect life on this earth. Because there's this brokenness that occurred. Since Adam and Eve, there's, there's been this tension with the resources that God has given us. How many, how many of us worry about money? How, how many of us worry about our, our next rent check or our next mortgage check, right? It's, it's, it's tough. It's not easy. Sometimes we get consumed with those thoughts. Maybe, maybe you have too many resources, and that consumes your thought. Where am I going to move this money? Where I'm going to move it from this account to that account? You know, where, where, where am I going to adjust my portfolio? Some of us may have, have, have that. Some of you are like, I wish I had that problem, right? But instead, instead of having resources that bless Instead of having resources that we, can, that we can give away, instead of having resources that we can give out as gifts and to be generous, instead, those resources became, become a slave master. It begins to control us. Instead of us controlling it, it controls us. And you see, that's why Jesus had to come. He had to show us how to properly manage God's resources to offer forgiveness of our mismanagement and to offer us a new way to live. Now listen, if you're already a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you're a senior manager. You're a senior manager. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, the Apostle Paul says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? that dwells within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So now you're, you're, you're a manager of your body. So not only a manager of God's resources, but now of your body. He came to forgive us, to pay the penalty of our sins, of our mismanagement, to, to purchase us back again, to be God's managers of his resources once again in the household of God in this world. Now, some of us, we may um, remember a, a, a story uh, that Jesus told uh, about a son. Um, it's an ungrateful son. And this son goes to his dad and says, Dad, essentially, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now, right? Could you imagine one of your kids saying that to you, right? Say, so just give me my inheritance now, and I'm gone. So this son gets what he asked for. I mean, the father was like, okay, if this is what you want, I'll give it to you. So the son goes. 
he lives this life that is just absolutely horrendous, right? It would be the equivalent today of going to Vegas and just blowing everything, everything. You're in Vegas, you're, 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 shooting, the, you're shooting the dice, you're hitting the car tables, you're going to the clubs, and it's everything under the sun. That's what this guy is doing. Now, if you can imagine, that doesn't last too long, right? Doesn't last too long. Doesn't have any job. He's just blowing his savings. Well, he's in the gutter now. He's living on the streets. He's living with the pigs. And in that culture, in the, in the Jewish culture, obviously, right, pigs are something that you don't even touch. You don't even mess with. You don't even go there. But this guy is like in the trough with the pigs, eating, throwing elbows, trying to get the next corn on the cob. He realizes, he realizes, hey, it's better to be a servant back at my father's house than to live here. So he goes back home to the father that he said, I wish he were dead and I want nothing to do with you. He comes back home. What does the father do? Does he shun him? Does he say, lock the gates, lock the doors, turn off all the lights, pretend we're not home, pretend we're on vacation? No, he doesn't. He sees his son far off and he runs. He runs to his son with open arms, says, my son is back. He takes the best robe, throws it on him, takes the, the signet ring in the family, throws it on him. And he says, my son was dead, but now he's alive. He's returned. He's forgiven him. Not only that, but he says, you are now again a manager of my household. You get all the resources back again. Not only did you blow it, you were a mismanager of what I've already given you, but I'm going to forgive you, and I will make you once again a manager of my household. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's what he has done for us. That's the reason why we should be good managers of God's resources. Now, our text this morning, that was the introduction. Sorry, guys. <laughs> our text this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles or app on your phone, uh, if you guys can tap on over to that, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The, um, the Apostle Paul is actually writing this letter to the Corinthians because um, they made a commitment to the church in Jerusalem to give an offering. The church in Jerusalem was struggling, and, uh, and, and, and the purpose of, of, of this section was, was that he, he was losing confidence in uh, the ability of the Corinthians to give this offering. And so they made this commitment, and they said, hey, we, we really need your help. The church in Jerusalem is struggling. They're under persecution, and, uh, and they need some resources. They need some finances to help them out. And so the Apostle Paul starts off out here in, in verse 1. It says, we want you to know, brothers, uh, about the grace of God that has been given among you uh, to the churches of, of Macedonia. Uh, for this serves as a, a, a test of, of affliction, their ability of, of, of joy and their extreme poverty, having overflowed in, in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as, as I testify, and, and beyond their means, of their own accord. 
begging us earnestly for the favor and taking part in the relief of the saints. And, and this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and, and then to the, to the will of God and to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had stated, so he should complete among you the act of grace. But you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you. See that you excel in this act of grace also. And then in verse 8, he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you. One year ago, started not only to do this work, but also the desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness is desiring it may be matched by your own completing it, by completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be um, eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that, they, that there may be fairness, as it is written, whoever gathers much and nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. And so this is the word of the Lord. Yeah, thanks be to God. Um, so... So this offering, the reason why we should want to be generous with our time, with our money, and with our resources is because of the way that God had managed his resources through his son's generous gift of his life. So what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, here in verse 8, it says, I say that this is not a command, but to prove by earnestness of others that your love is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, through he, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. This is huge. This is huge, guys. Because so often, I mean, I've sat where, where you have for many years, and the guy up here is saying, oh, you need to give. You need to give of your time. You need to, you know, give of your resources. You need to sacrifice. And I'm sitting here, I'm just going, well, why? How? Where, where, is this, where is this coming from? You see, Jesus Christ, though he was rich, what was he rich in? What was Jesus Christ rich in? He came, he was born in a stable. His dad was a carpenter. His mom was a, was a, was a 15-year-old girl whose, whose, whose husband was about to leave her. They had to flee to Egypt for years, and then he, had to, and then he came back. So he lived his life as a carpenter. The people that, that, he, 
that he wanted to, to follow him were, were fishermen. What did Jesus have? How was he rich? Jesus Christ is rich in righteousness. Jesus Christ lived on this earth for 33 years absolutely perfectly. Everything he did, everything he did honored and glorified God. God looked at him. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Could you imagine the God of the universe saying that about you? I love you. I'm well pleased in you. Everything you do, you do it perfectly. You do it right. You execute. The way you love, you love perfectly. The way you're generous, you're generous perfectly. That's what Jesus Christ has done. And at the cross... He who knew no sin became sin for us. All of your dirtiness, all of your brokenness, all of the disgusting things in my heart and in my mind that come out of my mouth was placed on Jesus Christ at the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He became poor for my sake. He took on my sin. And what did he do? He took his perfection and he placed it on us. The theologians call this the great exchange. Man, I love that deal. I love that deal. Are you kidding me? This is nuts. This should motivate us. He gave everything to us. He gave us his entire life. See, our bank account was in the negative. Was in the negative. We were in the red so much. They could send the IRS and do whatever they want. But when Jesus Christ came, he not only brought us back to zero, but he brought us back to full. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So that not only is like now, now that we're at zero, now you got to do your best. Now you got to work hard in order to gain God's approval, in order, in, in order for you to be in the family of God. No, 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 no. He says, I've already given it to you. It's done. It's complete. He's brought you back to full. He was rich in righteousness. He took on flesh. Jesus' whole life, his righteousness, his perfection, his obedience was given away to us. And God wanted to treat us like sons and daughters. And in order for that to happen, we needed to become like the son. In order for us to become like the son, Jesus Christ had to give his life for us so that we could be like him. He began to move, move uh, humanity forward from being a stranger to being a part of the, the family and, and household of God. And that's one of the things that, that motivates um, us uh, in, 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 our, um, in, in our daily lives. When we, when we open up our homes to our neighbors, um, it's, it's not out of uh, obligation. It's not out of... Uh, it's not out of this is going to gain my approval uh, to, to God, uh, but rather that's what God has done for us. I realize that, that, that Jesus flung open the doors to the kingdom and said, come in. I was a stranger. I was an enemy of God. He says, I want you to do the same thing now, Josh. Open up your doors. Invite in the stranger. Have them sit at your table. We sit across the table from atheists, agnostics, um, 
people of other religions, Muslims, uh, Jewish people, they sit at our table. We pray for them. We pray over our food. They know that we're followers of Jesus. And, and there's, there's something about what's happening that is intriguing to them. And it's nothing that's innate inside of us. It's not me. It's not my wife. It's not my children. There's a, a comment that they made. Uh, one, one guy made it. says, when, when I walk into your home, there's, there's, there's a different piece that, that, that's happening that I've never experienced before when he walks into his home or a neighbor's home. And he says, I want that. What is that? So I have to tell him, I say, hey, I have to be honest with you. And they're like, yeah, that's what I want. I want you to be honest with me. Tell me about this. And I say, well, it's not us. It's Jesus. Jesus is here. And when you eat with us, you're eating with Jesus. Let that motivate us. If we're going to be good managers of God's stuff, we need to manage it in a way that he did. You see, I've noticed that um, my lack of generosity, my lack of love, my lack of giving to, you know, whether it's the church, my community, my neighbors, it's closely connected uh, to the knowledge or the understanding of God's generosity towards me. You see, remember, whatever God has done for you and to you and in you, he wants to do through you. You see, it's not the other way. It's not the other way. It's not when you are loving, God will love you. No, 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 no. God has already loved you, and he wants to take that love and move it through you. God has already been generous to you, and he wants that generosity to become through you. God has already forgiven you, and he wants that forgiveness to be flown through you. You see, it's nothing that's already within us because it's not there. It's not there. At least not me it is. I need it. And the only way I can get it is if, is if God gives it to me. You see, when we give, we give from what has been given to us. Not a single one of us has something to give that has not already been given to us. You see, in, in verse 1 of, of chapter 8, uh, it talks about the Macedonians and, and, and their love and, and their desire to give. And, and if, you, if you see in verse 2, it says, For the severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, the Macedonians had abundance of joy, and their extreme poverty. What? They had extreme joy in extreme poverty. And they overflowed in wealth of generosity. They were, ex they were extreme in their poverty, but yet they overflowed in their generosity. How can that be? For they gave not only according to their means, but they gave beyond their means. 
They gave when they had nothing. How could they give? Some of you may be thinking, okay, how can I be a good manager of God's stuff, whatever he's given me? He's given me like this much right now, okay? How can I be generous with this? I think we need to look at our lives a lot more deeply than just maybe material things. We may have homes that we can open up to a hurting neighbor. Uh, Maybe it's time. Maybe it's just spending time with somebody. Maybe it's just sitting down and listening to somebody who's broken or or who's hurting. Maybe somebody who has been hurt by somebody else's resources. Maybe you can sit and listen. Pray for them. Ask Jesus to speak into their hearts and in their minds. God has placed you here for a reason. God's placed you in this room to listen to this message because maybe there's somebody that you know that, hey, I need to talk to this person. I need to sit down with them. And some of us maybe just say, I just don't have time. Where's the time? Right, like Matt was talking about, right? I I have a full-time job. I work, you know, pretty much 50 hours a week. Uh, my, my wife's a, an RN, she, right, she works 12, 12 hour shifts plus, right, uh, the PM, right, the, the overnight shift, right, she starts at 7 p.m., doesn't get off until 7.30, 8, 9, doesn't get home, right, you got three kids, they're in sports, football, soccer, where's the time, where's the time, restructuring that time, having a, a mentality of, hey, I'm at the soccer field, I'm at the football field. I'm there. That's my time. How can I, how can I reach out to these, these families that are here? And those, those are some of the families that are coming to our crowded house. Or, 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 or the families that are uh, like the football coaches. They're, they're, they're coming. The neighbors, right? We're outside, hanging out in the front yard, inviting them in, saying, hey, I want you to be a part of our family. And sometimes, sometimes that's dangerous. Some, sometimes you might lose something. You might lose, you know, maybe, maybe the food, you know, that, that you prepared, right? And they're going to eat it, right? Uh, kids running around. We got tons of kids over at our house. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll break something. That there's a risk there. One time we, uh, we invited a family over. They had nine, nine kids. I think they had nine kids. Um, and, you know, we reached out to them. We... Um, um, Put the, um, um, our, our whole neighborhood, um, got, got a list of all the kids, what they wanted for Christmas, got them everything they wanted for Christmas, bikes, basketball hoops, whatever they wanted, shoes, socks, hooked this family up, invited them over to their household, over to our household, and I think we had, you know, like a, a few bucks, maybe, you know, 20, 30 bucks on the counter, right, disappeared, gone. It's a risk, but you know what? We're not going to confront them about it. We're going to love them. We're, we're going to be generous towards them. We're going to forgive them. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. We've stolen the righteousness of God. We've stolen the glory of God from him. But yet he forgave us. And he brought us back in and says, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. How many of us continues to fail? Every day I fail. God goes, I give you another chance another chance. Generosity that flows out from us comes from God's 
generosity. He's the one that supplies it. Um, just real quick, if you jump over to chapter 9, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You see, not only, not only does God want us to give what he has given us, but he continues to give. He conti- you can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. It's impossible. He says, I want you to give. I want you to be generous. And you, and you say, well, I can't. He says, just give what I've already given you, and I will give you more. Give what I have given you, and I will give you more. Let that be a change in our thoughts. Now, some of us may be thinking right now, ha, ah, there we go. Now we're talking. Right? Here's the pyramid scheme. Here's the, uh, right? Here's the get rich quick, you know? Give, and God will give you more. Don't get this wrong. Don't get this wrong. It's not give so that you can get. It's not give so that you can get more. It's give so that God can enable you to give more. Does that make sense? See, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Give so that you can give more. Not so that you can receive more, but that's so that you can be more of a blessing. See, nobody's, you know, flying jets around here, right? Not, not, not in this church, right? We, we don't have a jet fund, right? There's no, you know, jet fuel, you know, fund that they need to happen. That's, that's not happening here, all right? But yet we're giving tons and tons of food to the community. We're giving. That, that's, that's a reflection of, of the heart of God. It's giving. So how do we do it? The Bible tells us about a couple of principles. God called Israel to um, give of their first fruits. You guys ever heard of this before? The first fruits? If you've grown up in church, that's kind of something. Oh, give the first fruits. You know, a long time ago when um, uh, Monica and I first got married, um, you know, something that was uh, entrusted entrusted to us from our parents, which was really good, was, was, was to give a percentage of our income, okay? And, um, you know, initially, in my heart, it was a very legalistic thing, um, number one. Number two, it was a, it was a give-to-get thing, right? It was, a, it, was a, it was a contractual agreement that I had with God that if I give 10% of my income, he will provide. I will not miss a rent check. I will make sure that my car payment gets, get, gets paid. I will always have a job. It was a contractual agreement, very legalistic, very burdensome. And then I hear of stories of, of followers of Jesus that uh, are giving above and beyond. And they started going, well, I don't give 10. I, I, I give 12%. And, you know, this is just in, in, in conversation. And, and, and God continues to provide. You see... Here in the, uh, in the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul says in verse 9, uh, on ch- chapter 9, verse 7, it says, For each one must give in his heart what he has decided. 
how many of us has prayed and said, God, what is it that you want me to give? What is it that you want me to give? If some of us have never given anything, anything to the work of God, has never given anything away, start small. Start small. God, what is it that you want me to give? Ask him. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Spirit of God will say, yes, absolutely. God, if you want the desire to be generous, God will give you the ability to be generous, to think about that. Okay? Not to be legalistic about it, not to be burdensome about it, but to go, you were generous towards me, Father. Help me to be generous to the people around me, to my community. Now, why first fruits? Why did God call Israel to give the first fruits? This was a, a, a percentage of, 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 of their crops. Now, if, if they were to give that, there was like no security, right? There could be like a famine, like the next crop year. There could be like a, like a hailstorm. Something could happen. There could be a war. Something could happen. Anything could happen. But what God is saying, when you give your first fruits, you're trusting in him. You're trusting in him that he will continue to provide. It's on the front end, not our leftovers. Okay, think about that. We don't want to give our leftovers to God. Like, ah, this is what's left. Okay, a couple of change in there. That's not what God wants. He didn't give us his leftovers. He gave us everything. He gave us his, his son and, and his entire life. He gave it all to us. But again, why first fruits? Because again, that's a reflection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the first fruit of all creation. You see, way back then when he gave the command to Israel to give their first fruits, it was a picture of what he was going to do. That's why. When we give first, it shows the, the world around us that there was a first fruit of creation. There was, there was the firstborn that was given to us. It's a picture of Jesus. Everything we do points to Jesus. Everything. Our giving, our loving, our sacrifice, our generosity, our forgiveness, all points to Jesus and what he has done. Secondly, create margin. Create margin in your life. Right? He, he, uh, God commanded the, the children of Israel to, uh, to not, um, you know, uh, prune their, uh, um, uh, their crops all the way to the edges, right? You know, leave the corners. If there's grapes that fall on the ground, leave it there, right? Let the poor come through. Let them gather that up. It was, it was like this, uh, this social system for them to, to care for, for the needy. Create margin in your life. Is, is, there, is there time in your life that you can spend with, with other people to love them? Create margin in your finances, you know, I mean, so, so, some of the most amazing, amazing conversations that I've had with people are, are somebody that would come up and say, hey, you know, Josh, I'm having a real, real tough time right now with my finances. Can I borrow 100 bucks? Can I borrow 100 bucks? And if I had it, sometimes I don't, sometimes I do. And if I had, I go, absolutely. Pull it out, give it to them, no problem. But here's the thing, I don't expect it back. That was one thing that Monica and I decided if I'm going to give something to somebody, I'm not going to expect it back. Because if they are unable to repay it back, I don't want to ruin that relationship. It's gone. I've released it. 
It's a mentality that, that, that resources, finances no longer control me, but rather I can control it. And if God is able to use that, he will continue to provide. And if it was tight maybe that, that, that month because of that, let, so, so be it. You see, some of us may say, you know, I want to give more. But if you don't give with what you have, we wouldn't be giving if we had more. Give with what you have, and God will continue to give and be generous towards you. So what do we do from here? First, give yourself to Jesus. If some of us here do not have this relationship with Jesus, this, this acceptance into the family of God, this idea of I messed up and now I'm forgiven and I can start again to be the manager of God's resources that he has called me to be, this morning's the time. At least somebody in the back on the cross while the um, music is playing say, I, I, I need this. I want to be generous. I want to be generous to my community, and I want to receive the generosity of God in my life. Today's the day to do it. Go see one of the pastors, Matt, Brock, Josh, myself, Tom. Today's the day to, to receive Jesus. Maybe... Um, the stuff in your life, maybe there's something in your life that, that you are holding on to tightly. You don't want to let it go. Maybe today's the day that you let it go. Today's the day that, that you need to let that thing that is controlling your heart, that is, that is consuming your thoughts, letting that go. Again, that's done, a, that, that's, that's done in prayer. Let somebody pray for you. There's uh, some of us may not have a, a, any idea, any idea of how to how to manage our resources, how to how to manage our time, how to manage our, our money. Get into a crowded house. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to one of the pastors. Say, I need help with this. I need help with this. Point me in the right direction. We can point you in the right direction. Get into a crowded house. Find somebody at your crowded house that that may be doing something right. I know we're not doing everything right. Not a single one of us, right? But maybe something right. Okay? That's why we have a community, so that we're not alone. We're not alone. We can lean on each other. We can encourage one another. Start off by participating in the event that we're having here on, on, on July. And, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that right at the end of the service. So um, that, that'll, that'll give us the initial step to move forward in our generosity and becoming good managers of what God has given us. Let's pray.